On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we look for puppies in the back of a black van and spend some time with a rotary phone. All you youngins don't know what that is. In Joe Hill's short story, The Black Phone, and its 2022 adaptation of the same name. And we ask the question, do short stories make for better source material? Also, little Gwen in this movie is my spirit animal. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, the podcast where we, Mel B, and the lovely Jackie D, your hosts, drunkenly break down book-to-screen adaptations each week. We flip a coin to see who will read or watch first, then we come together to compare notes and see if how closely the adaptation follows the book, which we may prefer, and if the order in which we read-watched affects our reviews. And why do we do this? nobody knows it doesn't really matter but we watch and we read so you don't have to dnf you're welcome (laughs) you're welcome if this is your first time with us welcome if you're returning we love you and if you haven't done so already please take a moment to give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on five stars if you think we deserve it and definitely leave a review it helps us It lets other people know what to expect. And also when you leave reviews, it helps us be more visible. So please. And then check us out on the social medias. We have it all, but especially give us a follow on Twitter at ReadWatchDNF and check out our profile for a Discord link. We also have like, you know, the Instagram, the Facebook, unfortunately, and of course, TikTok. All right, so DNF Happy Hour is up and running. There are two episodes linked. It is available on Apple Podcasts for now. We have the link in our profile on our website, so check it out. Um, We will be recording another episode right after this, so by Friday there will be three episodes up, maybe four. Who knows what we're going to get through today. Also, um, depending on how froggy me and Jackie are feeling, we might put some bonus episodes up because we just have a lot of source material to get through. and We're super excited. Uh, We probably just going to burn ourselves out. It's going to be fine. We have our January book club happening in Discord for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Uh, Again, check our profiles for links. Um, There are instructions on how to get the appropriate role to participate in the book club and also to join us on our Uh, watch party that we're going to have in Discord, and that is on 18 January. So again, check out our Discord for more information. This episode, we are dedicating to a fellow book Twitter bestie of ours. Their Twitter name, and I'm going to botch it. They gave me all these different pronunciations of it. but I said, I'm going to give it my best effort and still I'm going to fuck it up because I'm stupid. But all of our F-bombs go to, I want to say it's Maida. It's M-A-I-T-E, Maida. But, you know, that's just Twitter. You pick your own name. Their uh, handle is at ImpostorSind18. So that's at I-M-P-O-S-T-E-R-S-Y-N-D-R-1-8. Again, and we are dedicating this to them because they have been with us basically from the beginning since we got on Twitter, just like hyping us up, sending us book recs. We love them. 
Uh, but they, they posted something recently that said, you know, they've been dealing with some anxiety that came on. And as somebody I personally have dealt with some severe anxiety to the point where I am now medicated for it, which has been a lifesaver. We want them to know, listen, we're here for you. And we appreciate that listening to our stupid show helped with some of that anxiety. And we're going to do all that we can to help you moving forward. But we just want everyone out there to know, like, if you're dealing with it or you're feeling a bit stressed, you're having some, you know, feeling a bit anxious, it's going to be okay. Your body may be telling you something's different, but we promise you it's going to be all right. All right, Jackie, what are we drinking? Uh, is that now or before we started recording? <laughs> oh, all of it. All of the above. We are so, <laughs> so primed for, and ready for, for this. For those of you who are not aware, we have a an establishment we like to frequent. Um, mm-hmm. James, our friendly neighborhood mm-hmm. bartender. Mm-hmm. And I got to do a shout out to James and Jenny and little Kaylee. We love you guys so, so much. Definitely. Mel and I decided to go there before we started recording, and we imbibed a bit. Oh, imbibe, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah, I like it. But I was doing my regular Vienna lager from Devil's Backbone. Mm-hmm. Mel was doing what with the red gummy bear shots? I don't know what it was, but it tasted like fruit punch. Yeah, yeah. And I had several of them. Yeah, and some cider. And some cider, love C- cider. Cidra. But now I am consuming something that I found at Total Wine today. It's from Upland Brewing. It is out of Bloomington, Indiana. This might be the only reason I would ever want to go to Indiana, this this brewery. Uh, But it's Bad Elmer's Porter on the guy's beard on the can. It says, it's dark to be smooth. And given the material that we were covering today, I thought that was appropriate. Yeah, it's super dark. Yeah. Well, like Jackie said, I did have uh, some sort of fruit punch shot. It was amazing. And the ciders. Uh, and now, um, Jackie, when she went to Total Wine today, she asked me if I needed anything. And I was like, nah, but I'm good. She got me something anyway because she loves me and she's my best friend. I do. I do. Yeah. She got me my favorite sparkling red, which is the Rosa Regali. It's so good. It's so fucking good. So I have that now in my Maleficent gauntlet shrinking and who, who got you that jackie jackie got it for me because she loves me but we do have a cocktail a special cocktail for you we will uh post it in our discord it is called the black phone cocktail and it is essentially like a coffee cocktail it's got cold brew it's got rum it's got some other stuff it's guinness. topped with like a sweet cream guinness yeah 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 it's topped with a sweet cream so Check it out on our Discord. It looks amazing. But because we're recording this late, I decided not to... um, Because usually I have the cocktail of the show while we're recording. I don't think that's going to work, especially since Jackie and I have to be up fairly early so we can go to work, go to our actual real job. Yeah. Uh, But we'll try it at a different time. I have to interact. Yeah. Yeah. So, But we're going to have it linked for you. It's there. It looks really fucking yummy. So I will try it eventually uh, for the non-alcoholic version. Yeah, this this is a cocktail, by the way, that all of the other ones that you you drink or make for the show, I really mm-hmm. don't want to have anything to do with. But this is one that I would mm-hmm. drink. So maybe uh, an option for brunch mm. if, if we do a an at-home brunch, if we don't want to deal with people. Yeah, 
And on, on that note, the non-alcoholic version of this, I'm telling you, just go get your favorite cold brew with a, some sort of cream cold foam topping and you're, you got it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the same. Jackie, do we have a drinking game? We actually do. Fantastic. I was very excited to see this. It's uh, from a YouTube channel called Cheers to Fears. It's hosted by Tucker Farrow and Alex Chupik. And what they do is review horror movies and add drinking games Ooh. to it. But this particular one, uh, they give you the rules and then they go through and review the movie and stuff like that. But the rules are drink when you see death, when there's a scream, cry, or yell, when a jump scare occurs, which happens a couple times in this movie. It was kind of frightening. Yeah. Uh, when a black van is spotted, when dreams are shown or referenced, when the black phone rings, which happens a lot more in the movie than in the book. Yep. Uh, when a missing child is shown or mentioned, a rocket ship is shown, a clue to Finn's escape is revealed, or someone is beaten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. That's a lot. I, it would get you pretty sauced. Because I know when I watched the movie, I counted how many times the phone rang, and I believe it was 12. So if it's... You said it was take a shot? Uh, Just take a drink. Well, they don't specify drink or shot. They just list the rules. So I'm hoping it's just a drink because if it's a shot every single time, then no. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) Because I was going to say, that's a a lot of shot. Yeah. So I have a question. I have an answer. At the beginning of the movie, we are introduced to two of the characters that inevitably go missing. Do you count them? in the beginning. I don't know because do you know if they're missing or not? I guess like if this is the first time you're seeing it and have no idea, have never read the short story, maybe you don't. But I feel like for integrity's sake, if you're rewatching it, then you would have to drink. But even if you have read it, you don't know about Robin, so mm. But you have Bruce yeah. Bruce in the beginning yeah. and um Finny, who I actually thought his name was Vinny until oh. I read the book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk about who read first, who watched first. Uh, Jackie got fucked once again. She did have to read first. So go ahead, Jackie. Tell us what you read. Uh, I read Kindle the in 20th Century Ghosts. It was published by William Morrow in a reprint edition of 17 March 2009. Mm. And then I ended up having having to watch on Prime Video because guess what? It's not available on Peacock anymore. Mm. Yeah. Didn't we watch it together? I had to watch it. Oh, we didn't watch it. Oh, maybe I watched it with Steven. I thought we watched it together. We might have. Back in the day. Jackie Jackie forgot she blacked out and had to find something else. Anyway, the reason why I'm asking that is because I watched first, but I watched it on Jackie's Peacock account that we have logged in to my TV. Yeah. And I also created a profile in there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very much my account as well now. So it was available on Peacock if you had a subscription, but it seems like now Prime, like you've, it was free on Prime or you had the Yeah, it's, it's it. included with Prime Video. There you go. So if it's no longer available on Peacock, if you have that, it is available on Prime. So that's cool. Then I read, of course, uh, a paperback edition. So Amazon actually sent me... Well, this is what happened. I ordered the book and then Jackie knows this. Amazon, for some reason, 
just doesn't like to send me the books that I order off of there. So I have to have my husband order it. And then it's like Chinese food delivery. He orders it prime. It, it says, oh, it'll be there in two days. And then it's literally on our doorstep in an hour. So this was another case of that where I ordered it and it was supposed to be here the next day or like in two days. And then I kept getting delayed messages for it, like messages that it was delayed. So I was like, fuck, man, I got to read this this story. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to Barnes & Noble. They have it. I'm going to cancel the delivery because it hadn't shipped yet. Um, and we'll be fine. And Amazon was like, cool. We'll let you know if we canceled it. But I'm thinking it hasn't shipped yet, so we should be fine. Little did I know, Amazon was like, nah, bitch. You're still going to get it. So I have two versions of it. But I read the one I picked up at Barnes & Noble. And that is also William Morrow uh, paperback, but it's under the new name, which is uh, the Black Phone Stories. Mm. Yep. Uh, and it has the movie poster cover. So the one with Ethan Hawke and the mask. Yeah. And it says at the top, now a Bloomhouse major motion picture. So that's what I read. And it was interesting because we didn't realize that it was a short story at first. We And I just have been seeing the book all over the place. So I thought it was the whole book. So we were kind of freaking like, shit, we got to read this book. We get it. And it, no, it's a short story and it's like 20 pages. And we're like, this is amazing. <laughs> Hashtag winning. <laughs> Makes life so easy. <laughs> yeah. Jackie, you read first. So why don't you go ahead and give us the book overview. Okay, I only included the line that uh, was about this particular story because everything else was just not relevant to uh, what we're doing here. Yeah, it's a collection of short stories, the actual book itself. John is locked in a basement, stained with the blood of half a dozen murdered children, and an antique telephone, long since disconnected, rings at night with calls from the dead. Spooky. Yep. What about the movie? All right. So IMDb, let's go, boo. One sentence. After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. <gasps> <laughs> Scary. So the movie was actually, so January, we said we're doing all the hits from 2022. And I kind of panicked for a minute when I pulled up IMDb because it lists the black phone as 2021. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's no fucking way. I know this movie was out last year. Did some digging. We researched for you because that's what we do. And we don't want to be liars. So it was originally presented at, um, it's called Fantastic Fest. And it's part of, it's an annual film festival in Austin, Texas. It was founded in 2005 by Tim League of Alamo Drafthouse, which we have one of those over here. We love that it. we do enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Harry Knowles of Ain't It Cool News, Paul Alvarado Dijkstra, and Tim McCanleys. Uh, they are the writer of The Iron Giant and Secondhand Lions. So it was uh, It was released at a, um, so it was done. It was released at a film festival and apparently it did really fucking good. And then it was at some other festivals and released like limited. And they thought, okay, because it was originally supposed to be released, I believe, like in January of 2022. But then they were like, shit, this is going to be big. So they held off on releasing it till June of 2022. People are like, why? What's the difference? Because the summer is when all the big hits come out, right? Mm -hmm. You have like Christmas time and summer. We just had Avatar. Remember, Endgame came out Christmas time. But then you have the summer blockbuster. So it wanted to compete in that market. It didn't want to be like overshadowed by 
the huge like Christmas time blockbusters. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, so it's directed by Scott Derrickson. He is the director of Doctor Strange, the Sinister movies, and like a bunch of other slightly unhinged movies. So this is, he has a type and he clearly does it well. The runtime is an hour and 43 minutes. So pretty average. Rated R for violence, bloody images, language, and then there's like a little bit of drug use, which <laughs> Jackie and I both were talking about this one point. She's like, yeah, because of the drugs. I'm like, what drugs? I had to go back and rewatch it. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, he's doing lines of coke. I didn't even realize. They hide it in there. Yeah, not really. It's just out in the open and they like blatantly point at it. And then he sits down and does another line. But I'm like, what drugs? What are we talking well, about? Well, even in the story, he he describes him as a, a cokehead. So. Yeah, cokehead. That's how I describe him now. I just go, well, it's cokehead brother. Yeah. The estimated budget of it is actually really low. It's only about 18 million. Mm -hmm. And they filmed it in 33 days. That's crazy. That is crazy. They're like, let's go. Yep. <laughs> Funny thing about that, though, because it takes place in Colorado. You know where they filmed it, Jackie? Hmm. North Carolina. Ugh, we can't escape it. I know, can't. But, well, actually, Crawdads was filmed down in Louisiana, so. I know. It's like yeah. you have a movie about the coastal North Carolina, but they're like, nah, this is not coastal North Carolina enough for us, so we're going to go to Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, but you have this <laughs> movie, which takes place almost entirely in a basement somewhere and they're like you know what north carolina it's a good place yeah <laughs> i know we're supposed to do this right outside of denver but north carolina is yeah. it this one makes no sense because uh, maybe there's different laws now or like the way that they're taxed or whatever but remember back in the day um anytime you saw a movie that was supposed to take place in new york do you know where it was filmed actually where in toronto really back in the day like yeah it was cheaper for them to do that but you could clearly tell you're on a city street you're like that's really fucking clean for 1994 but anyway well pittsburgh was a stand-in for gotham so that is true mm -hmm. considering that's supposed to be like new york yeah. and they're like new york's not dirty enough right now we got to go to pittsburgh <laughs> you know what i i take offense to all my yinzers out there we love you i love you at Jackie, least you opened yourself up to it okay i it was there i had to take it Anyway, so budget is 18 million. Opening weekend, it did just under 24 million, so it already broke even the first weekend. It paid it paid Ethan Hawke's salary. <laughs> yeah, basically. So worldwide, though, it made 161 million. Jesus. I I can't say for sure. I'd have to look back at our previous episodes, but I want to say this might be one of the better grossing films that we've featured in terms of like budget to uh, total gross. We'll, we'll look back at our notes and we'll let our lovely listeners know next time. <laughs> They're holding their breath. Yeah, I'm like, sure. Don't, please don't. <laughs> no, please don't because uh, we're so drunk that we are going to forget about it. <laughs> All right, reviews. Jackie, book, you read. Let's get them. Yes, I did. So it was really hard to go through reviews because people were reviewing the entire book, the collection mm -hmm. of short stories. So I had to do a search for the black phone in the reviews. But in Goodreads, total uh, reviews and ratings, uh, it had an average of 3.92 out of 5. Mm. And that's about 40.6 thousand uh, ratings and just under three and a half thousand reviews 
the highest percentage was actually four out of five. Uh, that was 39%. Five out of five was 31%. And one through three totaled at 21, 28%. Sorry. Oh, okay. Five out of five for the whole book, mind you. Uh, what they said about the black phone, it was an interesting take on a serial killer. And it made me want to watch the movie. Thought that was appropriate for our podcast. <laughs> You're like, you know what? This uh, this really sets the scene. I'm gonna go watch it. Yeah, yeah. The overall rating of this next one was four out of five, but for the Black Phone, uh, they said three point five stars. It had a John Wayne Gacy feel to the book, and I was happy with the end. And oh, it does. Yeah, yeah I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the clown. Fat clown. Yep. One out of five. I bought the book after watching the Black Phone film. I only wanted to read that story. I was a little disappointed with the book. It was very short. It's a short story. Yeah, it's like the the word is in the name of it. (laughs) I personally think that it could have been uh, or could have had so much potential if the book went into more depth. It's a shame, really. The film is way better, in my personal opinion. I don't think they understand what a short story is. And we're going to try to not be, like, super pretentious about this, especially me having, you know, this this sort of background in education. Um, So I'm going to let it go. But it's a short story. It is short and a story. There's, like, minimal plot for the most part. It gets you from point A to point B and then lets you go. Yeah. So that's why we, we had this question in the beginning of do short stories make for better source material for an adaptation? Because it's literally just sort of laying the foundation or the groundwork for it. I think they do just because it gives a lot more leeway to the screenwriters. Yeah, yeah. Because you have like, you have the foundation, the skeleton, the bones, everything is laid there. And then you just have to follow that and then add all that like extra depth that apparently this reviewer wanted. Yeah. Which you got from the movie, so <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Know. All right, IMDb user reviews, because that's all we care about right now. For the movie, 6.9 out of 10. I think that's a, a decent review, like a uh, score. It had about 143,000 last time I checked. I think 143,448. 7 out of 10 was the highest percentage at 31.3%. 1 out of 10 was 1.4%, but 10 out of 10 was 8%. Uh, it, it really did look like that middle finger again if you put it on its side. Yeah. I have several here because they are, there's just so much to pick from them. So I'm going to try and read through them quickly. 10 out of 10. Best psychological horror film of 2021. And I love that they just couldn't spell psychological correct. <laughs> because everything now that you type on is like screaming at you that you're an idiot yeah. if you spell something wrong. Yeah. But they were like, no, nah, this is how I want to spell it. So I respect that. Anyway, Ethan Hawke created a character worthy of a film series in the same way that Robert Englund brought Freddy Krueger to our nightmares. That is, that's fair. Creepy, scary, good. This one will have to own on Blu-ray. Who the fuck is buying Blu-rays right now? I have no idea. Do they still make them? I think they do, unfortunately. Huh. Okay, I'm not trying to be bougie or anything. I thought that was just like, we like blockbuster, right? We, We got rid of it. Netflix came in and was like, fucking streaming it, bitch. <laughs> everything that I buy nowadays is digital. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Maybe that's just super bougie. Okay, we're just going to shut up now. Yeah. Next one, 10 out of 10. Absolutely terrifying. Wow. Exclamation point. So good. Two exclamation points. This is, okay. 
it should be this is a movie, but it says this a movie that nightmares are made of. So intense and thrilling, exclamation point. Lots of good scares, exclamation point. Reminds me of the paranoia I had of being kidnapped as a kid. I jumped so many times. Ethan Hawke plays a really great villain. What? Two exclamation points. What? I know, right? What was happening in their childhood? <laughs> I don't think I ever like had this actual paranoia of being kidnapped. I mean, it was something that parents were like, don't run off. Somebody might snatch you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Then there was my parents. Go out and play with everybody. Go in the woods. We don't care. Yes. Just listen for the Please whistle. Then you know it's time for dinner. Please okay. get snatched. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I did a 7 out of 10 because this is the highest percentage uh, of rating. Similar diet horror vibe as Stranger Things. Dark, twisted, surreal, creepy, suspenseful, entertaining, predictable, standard, unbelievable, and a little unsatisfying. Ethan Hawke as the grabber is psychotic AF. Some strong performances from the child actors and an effective score slash sound design. The set design and style pays homage to the 70s horror thriller, has a decent story, clean editing, some unexplained plot holes, and filled with jump scares. Overall, it has a similar diet horror vibe as Stranger Things, and I didn't hit as hard as I expected, but was still enjoyable. Is this a new thing, this diet horror? I have no idea. I feel like I just need to look this up more. But there's just, I had this, listen, this review is all over the place just lists in a bunch of shit there's like 10 adjectives yeah there's also <laughs> a lot of praise that thinks that it would warrant like an 8 out of 10 maybe 8.5 out of 10 not a 7 out of 10 i don't know it's that diet horror i don't know if they like stranger things or don't like stranger things this is the kind of reviews where i'm like wait is this bad or no it's good like seven makes me feel like it's good but the way you're talking about it seems like you don't like it yeah, they're one of the five people on the planet that don't like Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, five out of ten. I just want to give you like a middle-of-the-road review for this. Overrated, all caps. I feel sorry for some of the actors of this movie for this empty script. There is no story at all. I mean, what is the story of the killer? Question mark. What about the game that they've mentioned? Question mark. How did the killer run away before abducting Finny? Question mark. Why is everything so easy this time and not the time when the kids were abducted and killed? Question mark, question mark. I am really curious about those who rated at eight or above. Listen, <laughs> I don't, maybe he just wasn't paying, or she, who knows, they, they were not paying attention. It was like, why is it so easy now? I don't think it was easy. I think it was the fact that he had all of these other dead kids telling him their lessons learned well that and the story of the killer why do you need to know the story of the killer he's just a bad person doing bad yeah, he's things fucking psychotic like do we need to know john wayne gacy's origin story like no. there are documentaries on that and none of it makes sense none of it equals killing boys and burying them in the basement yeah <laughs> okay anyway one out of ten honestly how is this movie rated so high question mark exclamation point exclamation point there's literally nothing, I repeat, nothing, all caps, new that you come across in this film. Absolutely nothing, all caps, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. The story is pretty much straightforward, and once you read the IMDB plot, that's it. The movie is pretty much over there itself. I don't get why people are going, oh my god, Ethan Hawke has done it again. Like, what did he do exactly in the movie? It's not like the grabber was a hard character to play, LOL. 
this movie is a hard pass if you really want something good to watch. I'd probably only watch it if I'm really just relaxing and end couch locked. How, how do you get couch locked, first of all? And this person is clearly a Monday morning quarterback. Like, mm. quarterback threw a bad pass and I would have done better. Uh, Really? That get on, noob. Get on the field. I love that. It's, like, it's not like the grabber was a hard character. <laughs> Are you fucking so kidding funny. me? This is a guy with <laughs> children. And he has to play a guy who kidnaps and kills children. Yeah, I think Ethan Hawke did a great job. We love you, boo. You've redeemed yourself. From shitting all over Uma Thurman, you bastard. Anyway, <laughs> one out of ten. Last one. The only good thing about this movie is the poster. Everything else stinks. High heaven. Nothing works in another train wreck. The story is stupid. The kids are annoying and unconvincing. Ethan is lost in this mess. Maybe he was late for some alimony payments and then agreed to be part of this joke of a horror film. There is no horror in this film. Maybe cussing kids count as a horror thing. Who knows? And the fighting between kids? Is that real? The fights were brutal, vicious. I guess we can see this type of behavior in a prison for really dangerous criminals, but not among kids in the 70s. The whole thing is stuffed with cliches, stereotypes, two precious kids. And the dialogue? OMG. It can give you stomach cramps after five minutes listening to it. This thing is really bad, in a very bad way. <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna know when this person was born. Oh. That's the one thing I don't do is like actually click on the profiles to look because yeah. I don't, you know, we're using their reviews, but I don't want to like call them out as people. Well, you I, know, I like the anonymity. What I noticed in Goodreads is people in their profile pictures use actual pictures of themselves a lot more mm -hmm. than on IMDb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So us literary folk. Yeah. Are, because we care. Yeah. We're, we're much more apt to put our faces out there. If I took the time to read your fucking book i want you to look at my face when i tell you it was a fucking train wreck yeah okay and then if i love it i want you to know it's me because we are best friends now movies just too easy like you go you sit there for an hour and a half and you're like oh my god ethan hawk is such a scrub i could have done so much better <laughs> all right let's get into the casting of this so we have a pretty full cast uh, it, it's, it's interesting because there, for such a short story, meaning the source material, it does have a lot of players, per se, in the mix. Finney, and that's with an F, is the main character. That is played by Mason Thames, I believe his name is pronounced. Uh, so I looked up his IMDb page. He has been in like, like just young something of something something, like in a bunch of shows, like one episode. But the one that sticks out to me is it's a CW show and it's called Walker and he plays young Walker. And then I'm looking at it and it doesn't say that it's tied to this, but the aesthetic of it and sort of the plot, is this like some reboot of Texas or Walker, Texas Ranger? I have no idea. Cause it takes place in Texas too. And he's wearing a fucking cowboy hat and like kicking people's butts. Oh my God. I've never heard of this. I, I, I haven't either. It up, but it's... I have not either. It's fairly new. Like, it seems like it's still going. Well, but anyway. I'm I'm good with not digging any deeper, so I'm good. Also, I, I don't think I could ever watch another CW show in my life. It's just something I'm not going to waste my time on. I don't know what's going on there. I stopped uh, pretty much after The Arrow ended, but that was mm. mainly because of uh, Stephen Amell. And the, oh, the yeah. Sam, Salmon Ladder. 
Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that. No. <laughs> we, we like your abs. Um, I think the last CW show I watched, I watched it on Netflix. And I didn't realize it was a CW show. And that was, I think it's The Rain. Oh, that was garbage. As a yeah, history right? major, I could not tolerate it. And then Annabelle yeah. told me she was watching it. And I just like said, I told her to stop talking. I can't. Like, I didn't even realize what was going on at first. And I was like, is this supposed to be Mary Queen of Scots? Like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, it is. I'm like, yep. oh, yeah. what sort of like teenage softcore is this? Like, I don't want to watch this. It's awful. So, yeah, I think I watched like a season. Mm-hmm. And then I actually found it with CW. And I was like, no, fuck this. I yeeted it across the room. Figuratively. Okay. Gwen is the little sister here in the movie and she is played by Madeline McGraw and oh my god she is fucking amazing love her also this Jackie she is the voice of Bonnie in Toy Story 4 what yes Hmm. Bonnie uh and then also she is young hope in Ant-Man and the Wasp she's also plays the daughter uh in American Sniper it's so I just she's on she's gonna have such a great career please Nobody fuck her up. Keep her out of the hands of directors and producers out there, please. Okay. (laughs) Keep her pure. This is a testament to how great of an actor she is. Because uh, when I was looking up doing some research, there's a snippet here. It says that she was originally unable to appear in the film as the original shooting schedule clashed with uh, some other stuff that she was doing. So she's like, oh, sorry, but I'm going to do this other thing. And the director, Scott Derrickson, huge director, was like, Hey, you know what? We'll wait for you, boo. Yeah. And they totally changed the the calendar it was, it and schedule of the totally story worth it for like a ten year old. Yeah. That is how great you are. That the director's like, I know we have Ethan Hawke, but <laughs> have you seen her tapes? <laughs> yeah. She's great. Then we have the grabber, or I, I think his name's Al, but I don't know if we get that in the movie. You don't. It's just the grabber in the movie, and you only get Al yeah. or Albert in the story. Yeah. So the grabber, a.k.a. was supposed to be Al in the story, is played by Ethan Hawke, the one and only, if you need us to remind you of what he's been in, like, no. No. You know who he is. But for all of the youngins out there, I'm going to tie this six degrees of Kevin Bacon for you. You've seen Stranger Things, the later seasons. Y'all know Robin, played by Maya Hawke. Ethan Hawke is her daddy. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman gave birth to Maya Hawke, who plays Robin in Stranger Things. She's You're really welcome. good in that show. She is very, very good. She just brings a lot of, like, I think, uh, she grounds the other characters, I believe, because yeah. they're all off doing just, like, bullshit stuff. And she's like, hey, we got to scoop ice cream, motherfucker. Yep. And then she's like, I don't, she's like, I don't have a license. I'm not going to, I can't drive. Like, she just is grounded. Yep. All the other characters are just fucking off the ground. She's like, hey, Hey, can we all just bring it down a notch? Yep. So love her. Now, I uh, when I was doing the research, I found this little tidbit and it I put it in because it made so much sense to me. Because when I was reading and knowing, you know, Joe Hill, who is the son of Stephen King, and then looking at about the time frame that this story was published with these other short stories, he does admit that the Grabber is based on real life serial killers. The ones to be specific. And these are the ones that I picked out because Jackie knows I have a special soft spot in my heart 
for the serial killer. Not, I'm not, not, not in a good way. Like, not like idolizing no. or anything like no. that. It's just this is fascinating. Like, oh God, a so good, a, yeah, a good examination of how wrong human humanity can be. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like dissect their brain. Do it. Yeah. Let's see what's happening. Yeah. Anyway, so here are the four. We have, or the three, I should say, Ted Bundy. John Wayne Gacy, like one of the reviews said, and I was like, it has to be. Yep. And good old Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, Jeff. yeah. Old Jeff. Yeah. So this is what Joe Hill is saying, where he's pulling, uh, what he's pulling from them. Ted Bundy uh, would use a ruse to lure victims to help him to his car. When I saw that, or read that in the story and saw it in a movie, I was like, this is very Ted Bundy. John Wayne Gacy would use a belt on his victims. We have that in the movie but also we have the like where he's disposing of the bodies that's very jane wayne gacy john wayne gacy as well um and then there's just like the the games that he would play with them that's very john wayne gacy and finally jeffrey dahmer did have a victim escape fun fact jeffrey dahmer actually had two victims that escaped Mm -hmm. escaped and told the authorities what the fuck he was doing and it still took 10 years yep to arrest his ass Mm -hmm. anyway I digress. Okay, next characters are sort of like the side characters, but especially in the movie, they are more in the forefront. They sort of drive the plot. We have the uh, Terrence, who is the um, father in the movie. He is played by Jeremy Davies. That is uh, Dickie Bennett from Justified, if anyone's watched that. I definitely remember him from that. Yeah, absolutely. Also, Dr. Daniel Faraday from Lost, if we have any Lost fans out there that was fucking binging that show. And finally, if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, he is the little reporter private that is all flustered and goes out with uh, Tom Hanks' group. That's him. He's very young. Mm-hmm. But he's the dad. Then we have the two detectives. Detective Wright is played by E. Roger Mitchell. Uh, something big that he was in, he was chaff in the hunger games catching fire everything else after that on his imb page it's just a lot of like supporting roles then we have detective miller who is troy uh rudisil i want to say his name is yeah i had there's not one role that he's starring in he's just everything is a supporting role up until the point it's like security guy that's him max is played by james ransone or ransoni i want to say it's ransoni because he just gives off that italian feel so he is uh, the grabber's brother in the movie. Now, there's a connection here. He also stars in Stephen King's adaptation, the new uh, It Chapter 2. He plays the older Eddie. And Eddie in the first chapter of It, the new one, is my favorite. These kids are fucking amazing. And I like how um, James Renzoni, he, he gives that same like Eddie feel to it. So love him. Uh, and also another connection, he is the deputy and the like ex-deputy. If you've watched all the Sinister movies, he's in that. So sort of a bigger role in those movies. So obviously the director and the writer's family approve of him. Oh, he has a lot of, he has a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of nepotism going on here. <laughs> so then there's a, um, the movie introduces a lot of other characters that, that are big, but not enough for us to waste our time on their casting because they're all played by like young kids that have done maybe one thing. And you're not going to know who they are. So if you care, you'll pull up IMDb. Let's talk about the big part of this, the meat and potatoes of this show. 
we're going to go through where the movie follows the story and where it departs. I'm going to quote a clip or a saying from Joe Hill when he was interviewed about this adaptation. They said, well, how do you feel about the adaptation? Like, what is like a major departure? And to Joe Hill, he really believes that there's only one true major departure in the movie. And that was done on purpose. So Al or the grabber in the story is a clown because he has that John Wayne Gacy feel. Mm -hmm. They did not want to make him a clown in the movie because Joe Hill's dad just had his book adapted again not too long ago. Pennywise from It is a clown. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want to have that connection there, which I thought was interesting. I think it's I think it's valid. Yeah, I do think it's valid. Yeah. Also, the fact that you know, I I just want to know if like Joe and Steven are just sitting around the table and he's like, "Hey, you gonna keep him a clown?" He's like, "I don't know. The screenwriter doesn't think it's a good idea, but maybe yeah. We don't want to like we don't want to be too close. <laughs> Even though I don't know if you've ever seen Joe Hill and obviously his um his full complete name is like Joe Hillstrom King. I believe that's why he goes by Joe Hill. Cause he doesn't want to have his dad's name connected. Cause he wants to, you know, be on his own. And he's done a lot of huge fucking things on his own. I mean, um, Nos- uh, Nosferatu, that show yeah. that is there is based on his graphic novel or comic. I think it's a comic. He also has a uh, lock and key, which is another show it's on. I, I, I want to say it's on Netflix. Like Steven has watched them all. He sent some big stuff. Like Joe Hill is not a little name. But he's like, I don't want to be connected to my dad. Yeah, no clowns. <laughs> because, because while Joe Hill is not too far off from Stephen King at the bookstore in terms of shelving, um, the difference is Joe Hill is on a shelf where Stephen King has like a row. In multiple genre sections. In multiple genres, because I found him in fiction. I found him in fantasy. I found him in sci-fi. I found him in literature. And I found him in horror. Yeah. Horror is where he has his own like stack. Yeah. He has his own shelf there. Yeah. So Joe's like, I don't, I don't want to be connected. Yeah. Anyway, so we have the author of the story saying, no, they're the same. Because this is, goes back to the question, do short stories make for better source material? Because we have the author here going, yeah, they, they kept everything to the bones of this story and then just expanded upon it. So we have, um, in terms of similarities, you know, we have the grabber who is like a, serial child killer who's abducting kids using a black van with black balloons pulling them in he's a clown he's 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 doing that right um and then we have the phone in the dungeon type basement that starts ringing where finney picks it up you would get that another similarity is that the sister does have sort of this like a uh, clairvoyance slash psychic thing it's not blatant in the story but it, it's sort of like it's alluded to the fact that she kind of has these they, visions and she's they, out trying yeah, to search for them. They definitely make a bigger deal out of it in the movie than they do in the book. Mm-hmm. And actually in the movie, I think they make a, a lot of big changes per se to sort of support that yeah. and build upon the fact that she's psychic. Um, another big thing, the phone is the same. I would assume they would keep that same since the name of it is the black phone. <laughs> Can you imagine it's a red phone? And it's like, I know, like what? touch tone, not, not, uh, they pick it up and they're like, Captain, Captain, it's like, a, it's, it's like, a, just give them an iPhone is laying there and in the corner. No, that's not. <laughs> so it is a black rotary phone that is hung up on the wall in this basement well, it, dungeon it would, thing. 
It would have been funny if Finny would just point it to it and be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> a phone. That's not a phone. Yeah, because if they didn't uh, set this in the, like, 70s, yeah. it would, that's exactly what would happen. You yeah. would have, like, if it was picture today. one of our... Yeah, picture like like one of like our young like picture my my twelve year old, all right, <laughs> down there. She would have no fucking clue what that is. So what is Point to the, the fax like, machine is? at work? What's that? It's oh, it's that's a, a, that's a good machine. one. And it's like a like a high tech fax. It's not even like an old version. It's just it's like yeah. a scan to fax type thing. And like, what's a fax yeah. machine? Like, you know what? I'm gonna need the rest of you to not talk to me all day. I don't need to feel this old. I feel attacked right now. It's a predecessor to email. Shut up. Yeah. I don't need this type of negativity in my life. Yeah. Stop making me feel old, you ageist. (laughs) Uh, Another big thing is spoiler here. Spoiler. We have sort of this, uh, the vanquishing of the grabber at the end. It, It definitely is a different vibe from the movie or from the story to the movie. But we get that sense that Finny's getting the fuck out at the end. In a yeah. very brutal way, too. Ugh. Yeah, I love it. I'm like, get it. Get it. All right. Now let's go into what these differences are, where the movie departs from the story. First things first. In the story, Finney is abducted right away. He's waiting for his dad to come out of the store. And he's like, hey, what's this dude doing over there? Walks over. He drops some shit. Same thing like he does in the movie. And then, like, shoves him into the thing. Um, I believe in the... He cuts him with something in the movie. It's like that rocket pen that yeah. kind of stabs him. I forget what it was in the story, but he does cut him or he bites him. Is that what he does? I think he bites him. He, yeah. Yeah. Cause he does something where the fact that when they get back to the house and he wakes up, the grabber's like, I should kill you for this. He's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would never, I would never hurt you. I love you. <laughs> like, okay, psycho. Yeah. But in the movie, we start off with this scene of setting the tone for other kids that have been snatched. And it starts with Finney playing baseball against another team. And on that other team is Bruce Yamada. And Bruce is actually, it is the character in the story that through the phone they're talking, but you get this, like the backstory of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, you got a great arm, blah, blah, blah. So you get that connection because I, I also, believe that screenwriters and directors um know that the people that are watching these movies are fucking stupid so you have to spell it out <laughs> for them because it was enough in the story that we're like oh we got the connection there but in the movie they're like you have to understand he knows this kid in a certain sort of acquaintance way yeah and we're going to show it to you via <laughs> montage it happened this day on in this month on uh, in this year uh and they yeah. were playing baseball just here's all the details. So then Bruce gets, uh, it, they don't show it, but he's like riding his bike. Everyone's happy. Then this black van comes out of somewhere in, in the movie. And we're like, oh no. And then it goes to this like creepy intro with all this like violence and dirty city yeah. <laughs> B-roll. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> all right. So that's that. Then we get the story of like, we start introducing these other characters. Then he goes to school with his younger sister, where that's a departure because in the book, well, in the story, his sister's older. Yeah. And I think her name's Catherine or something, um, or Suzanne. Susanna. Not Gwen. It was Susanna. Susanna. Yeah, it's not Gwen, it's Susanna. So that's another thing. Younger sister versus older sister. Also, in the movie, we get the single dad who's clearly traumatized uh, from being like a Vietnam oh, War vet. He's, he's a fucking he's alcoholic. Yeah. 
they violent they alcoholic. His character a lot more. Yeah, because in the story, he's just like, yeah. But also, the mother is alive mm-hmm. in the story. It's the mom and dad. The sister's really the only one that's kind of like branching out and trying to go find him. Not saying the parents aren't. It's just she's more of the story, per se. Uh, so the mother is dead in the movie. And then that's where we get this. We were talking about building on the sister story. So Gwen sees things. Um, the dad doesn't like it because apparently the mother saw stuff. And that's why the mother went crazy. And I think it's alluded to the fact that the mother killed herself. That's what I get. Yeah, because of the vision. So the dad really doesn't want the daughter doing that or definitely not talking about it. Because there's a brutal scene where he's just beating the shit out of her oh, yeah. in the kitchen over breakfast. And I'm like, jeez, this, that, this that is was a lot. That was tough to watch. That was so tough to watch. Oh, my God. But that that, that little actress? Yeah. Damn. Amazing. Because it looked real. Like, have you it's like you think about when your daughter was younger or maybe yelled at her? Like, you get that sort of um, when they start to have that defiance in them. But they're, mm-hmm. they're clearly upset because they're a child. But they're also like, I fucking hate you yeah. as well. Yeah. But I'm not ready to fight you just yet like you can see it in her eyes she did that perfectly (laughs) um also in the movie we're getting a more of the sister's abilities because when bruce has been missing i guess at some point she made a comment to a schoolmate who is bruce's sister that's the same age as her something about um, a dream she had about bruce and i think in her dream she uh, saw the black balloons and she made a statement about that and that was something that the family was aware of and the police department is aware of but they didn't release that it wasn't common knowledge now this has to be legit my favorite part of the movie was not expecting this the detectives come to the school they call the girl into the principal's office with the principal and the two detectives because obviously that that bruce jamada's younger sister went home and was like oh my god this girl at school told me xyz and then the mother or the dad probably called the detective and were like they knew about the balloons so the detectives rightfully so show up at the school and they want to ask gwen questions and she just fucking goes off on them and the shit that she says (laughs) i'm like damn i was starting to take notes i'm like i gotta remember that one she's going off because she's like, we fucking stupid. I was like, come here to investigate <laughs> me. Like, I'm going to do your job. It's a funny scene. I would think, if anything, watch the movie just to see that. And if you don't want to see anything else, you can just stop it. It was, it was please, a really, really good scene. So good. This little girl is a spitfire, and I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So we have that. And now um, we set the scene for when Finny gets kidnapped, where... He is walking along. I think he's walking home from school because the his sister, it's a Friday afternoon. And apparently on Friday, she goes stays with a friend's house. So they're not together. That's how they play that out in the movie. He walks up and it sort of plays out the same way it does in the story where he sees this guy struggling to get shit or groceries into the back of his van. And he's coming up. He's going to, he drops it. So he runs up and tries to help him. And, that's when the grabber like sprays his face with something yeah which i believe he does in the story too because he does because he he gets it into his mouth or something and then he his mouth is burning or he he has trouble i don't know um 
drinking it's some, it's some sort of like yeah yeah it's like a real irritant he couldn't see for a while his eyes mm-hmm. were burning so does that makes him pass out in the movie he stabs him in the story meaning the finney stabs the grabber in the arm with his like rocket pen which is fucking weird but whatever in the story he bites him any either way it's sort of like the same outcome because we have this interaction with them later where he's like uh where he starts finney starts to wake up and the grabber's like yeah you fucking i should kill you for this you fucking fucked up my arm and finney's just like whatever dude <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some of these other characters that were introduced the first one we get is bruce Yamada, right that's from the story he does get kidnapped and killed then we get this other character robin who i kept calling him like the um mexican kung fu master yeah when i was writing my notes because and this is because he's described like that as that he's mexican but he's really into kung fu movies so i kept calling him the mexican kung fu master it's not me being insensitive it was just the way to remember so he's like i I don't want to say he's a good friend of finney he's more like a close acquaintance where they're not really hanging out but they know enough where robin comes into the bathroom after kicking this other dude's ass where finney is getting like accosted by some other bullies and when robin comes in with his bloody knuckles He's like, you want to go? You know, he's, he's intimidating for a little kid just because he's he's violent. <laughs> well, Robin almost seems protective of Finney. Like, yeah, and I think he does because I think Finney might be, they're kind of alluding to the fact that Finney might be the only one that doesn't like look down on him because he helps him with his homework. Yeah. But he doesn't talk a lot. He's just. But Finney also doesn't stand he, up for himself. He. Yeah. He's kinda that's like, the big thing. Okay. You're beating me up now. Okay. I guess. Like, all right, I'm just gonna lay down. Let's cover this. Um, which we get to see that outright, which is another scene where Gwen is just a fucking rock star. They're walking home, the bullies come out, um, and they just start beating the shit. They're fighting, right? Because Finney's by himself. But out of nowhere, Gwen is just like, like a fucking rabid chihuahua, <laughs> running out. And she like, she fucking body slams one of the kids and yeah. picks up a rock and like smashes the kid in the head. He's bleeding. Then she sort of like gets sucker punched or kicked and she's like, all right, I'm out. And this was so great to me because obviously Jackie and I did not grow up in the seventies, but we weren't that far after (laughs) where you have this scene where they're all, they're brutally fighting each other. But like, as they're going down, they sort of just like crawl over to the side and sit along the fence to watch the rest of it. It's just like a Royal, it's like a battle Royale, but in person. And I just remember that where nobody ran to get help nobody was tattling which was like all right i i obviously can't throw any more punches i'm just gonna just gonna lay over it was kind of like a really really violent vicious game of dodgeball once you get hit you you just go to the side so blood is drawn now it's your turn to sit over on the side and watch everybody else get pummeled yeah so they're just sitting out there where the kid she knocked him in the head he's all bleeding she's sitting next to him her mouth is bleeding so we have that there's also flyers up that you catch in a movie about other kids that have gone missing uh, and there's been no luck. Like they don't, they're not finding bodies. They're not finding any evidence. Bruce Yamato was the first one where they're like, maybe we have some leads. And then Robin is the next one to go. Uh, they get a call at Finney's house. The dad picks it up, lets them know that Robin was missing. Then they're searching for him. It's sad because now he's like, now it's too close to home where before it's like, oh, I know these kids kind of, and it kind of sucks, but now it's his kind of friend. So Mm -hmm. he's a little upset. But now we have Finney going out for the walk, like we were just saying. He gets picked up 
wakes up in the dungeon basement, uh, cement everywhere. There's the weird black phone on the wall, which now I'm, I'm curious because reading the story and how that plays out and then watching the movie, he built up this basement in a particular way because he knew what he was going to do with it. Mm -hmm. He being the grabber. Yeah. Why did he put a phone down there? Or why did he keep a phone down there? It was disconnected, right. but why Why is it still there? Yeah, it's very strange. But this phone is the premise of the whole fucking thing, so we're just going to go with it. It's convenient. He's got a mattress on the floor. There's like a little window because they're in the basement. If it, and if any of you have um, not a walkout basement, but an actual underground basement, you'll probably see like up at the near the ceiling, the little small window. Yeah, it's probably out. like half a foot tall by like yeah. two feet wide. Yeah, so he has that. He can jump up and kind of see out, but not like really. In, not like in to get his bearings. Barbarian. Yes. Oh, side note. We're going to go on a little tangent here. Uh, I made Jackie watch Barbarian. What was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, Day before. Day before. Made Jackie sit down. Our, I was having this conversation with our social media manager, Marina. And she's like, yes, Jackie, watch it. So we sat down, middle of the day, light out. Jackie didn't have to be scared. And there is that scene where she's like peeking up over in the basement because she's trapped down there. It is that. If you haven't seen Barbarian, fucking watch it. It is. I don't even know how to describe just it. Know, it's so okay, just know, okay. Just know that uh, the night after I watched that movie, no mm -hmm. issues at all. Last night, I'm laying in bed and I had images of that woman. Oh my god. Um and. I honestly did not know what to do with myself after that movie finished. I just picture like Jackie just locked up in bed across the hall, just like with the covers up to her eyes. Well, it didn't last there. long. It was all of like five seconds. Uh, I was starting to drift off. And then some something woke me up and I thought to myself, looking over at the door, I'm like, she could come in here. Oh my and God. I went to sleep. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and Jackie's just going to be like rolled up in a ball at, at the foot of my bed. <laughs> and you're going to be She's like, got her pillow and just, a blanket. just go to Florida already. Jesus. <laughs> no, Your mixed problem. All right. This now I believe is like the, the big chunk of the story, right? He's kidnapped. We're in the basement. He's dealing with this. In the story, the phone rings once. We get the Bruce Yamada is the one that's calling in the story. And from that, Finney is able to, he gives us some hints on how, how to try to get out and things to avoid. Um, and he works it out. And then the brother comes down at some point, opens the door. Like Finney's ready to go to war now. Like he's psyched himself. He's like, I'm fucking doing this. He's his own hype man down there. And he's like, I'm ready ready so i'm gonna fuck this dude up right he's all just cracked out of his mind so the door opens and you're ready too you're like this is it the grabber's gonna come in and finney's just gonna go but it's somebody else and he's like what the fuck and the guy's like oh my god i knew it i knew it it's the cokehead brother that like came out of nowhere to stay with the grabber and that's what the grabber's alluding to the whole time like ah things are like not the best right now and <laughs> It just, we're just gonna do things a little because <laughs> he's got his cokehead brother upstairs. Yeah. Just fucking, like, he's like, it's not it. you, it's me. Uh... Yeah, and by me, I mean my brother. <laughs> <laughs> but the brother opens the door, and he's like, "You gotta get help." And the brother's like, 
no, no, seriously, like you're fine now. But do you want to know how I figured this out? And then the grabber is like, snatch, you know, Friday the 13th, hatch it to the head, you know? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Which the same thing happens in the movie. Same thing happens in the movie. Same exact thing. But the thing is, you get to see the brother ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Again, spoiler, if you haven't read or seen this, like, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. But the detectives are walking around the neighborhood trying to, like, see if anyone's seen anything. But the cokehead brother, when they meet him, Max, he is, like, has the, like, the board up with the maps and the red string and the thumbtacks. Like, he's trying to solve this crime or these murders on, like, just doing three lines of coke at a time. I was saying doing lines of coke every minute or something. Yeah, like he's just like, ah, oh, let me tell you something. <laughs> so the detectives like see this and they don't listen to anything he has to say. But I, I kind of appreciate how the movie, where if you look at what he's put together, yeah, it makes sense. Yep, and it's accurate. Yep. But the re, but the fact that he's got just lines of coke ready to go on the table and he's clearly out of his mind the detectives are just like hey you might want to like clean that up and he does clean it up with his nose <laughs> <laughs> but also we have um more of the sister's psychic stuff like she and she also has this weird okay i'm gonna say something and it's purely because of my review on this the sister's like crazy jesus thing that she has going on. I don't really understand why they introduced it. it has, there's nothing like that in the story. Yeah. And I'm trying to, because if she's getting it from, like maybe the mother was like super religious and passed it down. I don't know. Or the, the girl found Jesus on her own. It was just a little odd for me out of place, but I think it, it worked just fine. Like it's enough that you can look over it maybe. But the first time I saw it, I was like, this is weird. I was just uh, interested because you only heard about the sister stuff in the story from Finney's perspective. He was just mm -hmm. talking about his sister. You know, he had a dream about a sister coming down that street on her bike and mm -hmm. things like that. Whereas in the movie, it's just active, like, visions. She's in the middle yeah. of doing something and then she just gets struck by these visions. Yeah, she clearly has something supernatural going yeah. on with her. And that's where we get the, uh, how she kind of leads the detectives to the house that's in her visions. And we get the characters, the other boys that have been killed, which we don't get in the story, mm -hmm. which is actually kind of cool. And this is where a lot of the jump scares and suspense comes oh, from. And Jesus, I, yeah. I, yeah, and I appreciate the way that the movie did it. Um, so we have Robin, Bruce, the, the kid that was the, newspaper boy mm -hmm. his dog we have the like um punk he rock reminds kid. me of, what's his punk rock yeah the kid. punk rock kid like what was it like eddie from stranger things yeah. like that that dude he reminds me of that um and I, there's there's i think there's one more that we're uh, missing from there but anyway you have a lot more of this so what's happening in the movie is you're incrementally getting calls and each call is from a different person i think the first one is from the kid the first one that went missing the they're doing i think they're doing it in chronological order mm -hmm. so then you finally get up to it being bruce and um robin robin yeah. being the last i may be wrong i may just I, it's been a minute since i've watched it um, but you have all these other characters and they are in conjunction with the sisters visions 
kind of piecing together this mystery of who the student is, where he's at, and that allows the sister to lead the detectives there. Now, side note real quick. Did you realize like how heavy these detectives were leaning on this 10-year-old girl and yeah. her dreams? It, how it, many times they came to the house? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. They're like, well, we got nothing else. So, Gwen, what do you have? <laughs> what can you tell us, girl? Do you have a dream? What do you need from us? It kind of makes you wonder how they got to the point that they are if they're leaning on a 10-year-old girl who has visions after praying Really, because if you Jesus. think about it, she's got, like, the crucifix, the cross, the card, like, the Mary card. She's got it all, and she's, like, hiding it in her dollhouse. It's humorous, it's cute, it's endearing, but it's also fucking strange. But, yeah, if you think about it, they have nothing. They just have posters up. They don't know. I think they had the one hit where somebody said something about black balloons and that's what they were keeping from everyone mm -hmm. but because she had a dream with the back black balloons now they're like all right this is it what was that detective not detective um the sylvia or something back in the day where she was like leading detectives to bodies and stuff and then they found out she's a fucking fraud oh i think I her name know. is sylvia but she was it, always it, like a Mori or whatever. In normal everyday life, if murder like this is normal and everyday, uh, that would probably lead me to the father, Gwen's father. Like, you saw black balloons? Did you see that in your house? Does your dad do black balloons somewhere? Oh, yeah, right? Like, do we need to bring your dad in for questioning? That would be the normal thing, right? Yeah. Where you're like, well, this little girl knows information, like... Who in her house could be a predator? Yeah. <laughs> and then the weird cracked out dad. Yeah. Yeah, but that never happened. No. Maybe we're just getting too old, Jackie. We're, we're like, just, that's not how the world works. Or we're just too cynical. I don't know. Or we're fucking smart. Yeah. Not really, because we're drunk right now. Anyway. <laughs> not that drunk. So, <sighs> Finney is like, just doing the most down now in this dungeon basement. He's digging holes. He's pulling cords out of the wall. He's like, pulling shit off the window. He's like, breaking through the, the the wall into like a freezer how is nobody hearing any of this and nobody's noticing anything when they come down that well, is probably so, the most anxiety that i've yeah. gotten was watching him do this and going shit like how do you hide that well the the f hole that he dug in the floor he put some kind of cloth or something over it but i'm like if oh, it they wasn't had there before carpets over huh? there. they had like rolled up carpets or something yeah over in it, the other room but if nobody saw the carpet there before, why exactly? Why wouldn't they walk I, there and be like, "Hey, what's this? What's this doing if here?" If I'm the grabber, I know this room intimately, right? Yeah. yeah. I know every inch of this fucking dungeon basement. Yep. If I come down and now there's a rug laid out, and the window's missing its bars, and there's just a like a meter worth of cord ripped out of the wall, like I'm going to notice this. Yeah. But he never does. And he comes down a lot and says nothing. Yep. He's just like staring at him all creepily. But then again, you know what? He's a fucking psychopath. So who knows what's going on in his head? And there's definitely Ethan Hawk. I, I didn't get this from the story. So I don't know if it's something that maybe Ethan added to the character. But this really sort of back and forth. Um, and I think it matches with the, the masks that he's wearing. Where the masks are... Uh, they remind me of like the, the jesters. Like 
this frowny face, the smiley face, the grinny face, the no face. You know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, because also sometimes he had it full face covering, sometimes top mm -hmm. half, sometimes bottom half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. So I'm thinking that was a good way that the movie sort of portrayed like his different personalities. Yeah. That's going on mm -hmm. and how fucking psychotic he is. Yep. Big thing. I know that Joe Hill says that the biggest departure is the fact that it's not a clown in there. But I might argue just a little bit that I think the biggest departure is the fact of how he goes about killing the kids, mm -hmm. where in the book, he just sort of starves them. But in the movie, it's much more violent. Yeah. Now, the argument could be made because this is a short story and there's not a lot of detail that it's implied where you can just think of the darkest, deepest, craziest shit that he's doing to these kids and anything goes. Maybe. In the movie, it's not starving per se. It is he's playing this game, Naughty Boy, mm -hmm. which the one of the kids on the phone is what instructs uh, Finney because he leaves the door unlocked at some point. And the kid's like, don't do it. Don't go up there. It is not good. This is what he wants. Playing Naughty Boy. Where essentially, like, he won't progress to the next stage of his psychosis, essentially, until Finney does something that he deems naughty. Mm -hmm. So as long as Finney's just like not doing shit and not being bad, he can't like go to the crazy psycho stage. This is really fucking freaky in the movie because he does go up the stairs eventually. But when we see Ethan Hawke, um, where they, the camera cuts to him, he's sitting shirtless on a chair in the kitchen, like holding a belt, just like just rigid there. And now I'm going to say something, and it's probably because of all the ridiculous smut that we've read, Jackie, that has warped our brains. My first inkling was not, oh, fuck. It was, oh, shit. That's kind of hot. We're just got the mask on. the absolute opposite to happen, but not with a 12-year-old boy, please. No, no, definitely not. No, no, no. no. I'm like, 12-year-old boy's not there. This is no. different. This is me and Ethan playing a game. But I was like, hey, what's yeah. up? But then I was like, oh, shit, no. Oh, this is scary. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I would say watch the movie to get, like, the full effect of the interactions that he's having with all the boys. I think it was done sort of artfully. And I know people complain. They're like, I don't understand what's going on. But, and I don't want to sound pretentious here. I think the way it's done is actually pretty artistic because they're not spoon-feeding you everything they're giving you snippets because think about it in an investigation like this, not everyone has the full story. The detectives have their story. The fucking killer has their story. Finney in the basement has his perspective. The boys that are dead and calling and reaching out have theirs, right? The sister's having vision. She has her own perspective. So it's like you're getting all of these mixed together to give you the final product. So it might feel a little disjointed, but I think, like, how dense are you that you can't follow? All right, let's just close this bitch out. So essentially, Finney comes into contact. They're gonna they're gonna duke it out, right, with the grabber. Same thing happens in the story. It's a a little bit more violent in the movie, but we still get the choking of the grabber with the phone cord. Mm -hmm. um, oh, this is something I wrote down in my notes, and I didn't go back and check. But he talks about how 
in the book, the cord is like long and straight and black. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like one of the spiral cords? That's what movie? I remember, but it's been a while. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he still chokes the motherfucker out with it, packs the phone with like dirt that he was digging up um, and just bam, bam, punch, punch. Robin teaches them how to fight. That doesn't happen this, in the story. They, there's some really, really, really graphic description of the ankle, I think, like falling into yeah. the hole. I love how, the, what's cool about this is because it's a short story, so you don't get a ton, but like where Joe Hill decides to put the detail, it's just really interesting. And I think he's just, he's like his dad, right? I mm-hmm. think they're all just home all the families just sitting around the diner table writing fucking unhinged horror stories. <laughs> so I support it. <laughs> um, I want to be part of that dinner party. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Stephen, invite me over. Yeah. <laughs> Please, we'll come to Maine. I don't care. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the pictures of his house? No. It's super cool because, like, he's obviously dark, right? I think I think my mom has gone by there because she loves some weird Maine. Shit out there. She loves Maine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom goes there every year, and then drags your daughter sometimes. One time, <laughs> and she's like, she's yeah. like, oh, I love to please. <laughs> okay, so bottom line, Grabber's dead in the movie. Like, he's straight up dead. Where. In the story, it's sort of a loot. I mean, like, he's probably going to be fucking dead. But we get this cool ending in the story where the phone rings. Because the whole time during the story in the movie, the grabber's like, did you hear it? Did you hear it? It doesn't ring. It, there's nobody there. It's just it's just playing tricks in your mind. So the phone rings while they're down there, both of them. He's, like, in the little hole and his ankle's all fucked up. He's got the cord around his throat. Um, phone's ringing and essentially... Finny hands him the phone and says, it's for you. Yeah. Because it's the kids that he's killed. So that's like a real F you at the end, right? That's a cool yeah. way to end the story. Um, in the movie, we get a little bit more because he does die. He has to get past the dog. He's feeding him steaks from the freezer that he tried to get in but couldn't get out of, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Walks up the stairs. Now this is this cool scene in the movie because the do- the sister has brought the detectives there. She's figured it out. The boys are helping her too, the dead boys, that is. Um, so she thinks she has the house. Detectives are in, they're searching. Nothing's there. They get to the basement and find out, like, well, this is where he's buried them. So they know it's part of it, but there's nobody in the house. So we're like, well, where the fuck is he then? Because this is definitely what she's been seeing in the visions. Mm-hmm. That is because the boys are showing her where they have been laid to rest. So in their detached, dead spirit minds, that's where they're drawn to. But Jackie, what's the catch here? Where is Finny and the Grabber? It's right across the street. Right across the motherfucking street. He owns both houses. So here's another thing. The brother comes and finds Finny, right? He's like, oh, he opens the door. He's in there. Now, the Grabber was out, like, collecting stuff. I guess he was coming to the agreement that he's going to kill Finney at some point. So he's going and getting his supplies. He's in the black van. He comes back. Now, I'm almost certain that when the detectives are there, mind you, we're looking out to the street. So we're obviously seeing the house right across the street. There's no black van in the carport. Mm -hmm. But the detectives are there searching the house across the street. That means... 
that he had to return during that time that all the detectives and the cops and the sister were there and they are definitely looking for a black man. So you're telling me that he just pulled up and backed into this driveway and just like, don't mind me guys. It went into the other house to be able to go down and kill his brother. It's a different black man. Different. Please black panel van. There's not that. No, (laughs) if it were white, that'd be a different story, but still, if they're looking for a certain vehicle and they see this pull up on them, the cops are going to fucking search it. There's no way that they're not. Even even if he sees the cop cars out there and he's rolling down the street and just wanders by, somebody's going to see it. And they're going to yeah. be like, wait, stop. Especially at this point, they're all hyped up on fucking adrenaline and like yeah. coffee and donuts and fucking sugar high. These cops are definitely going to search you. Yep. Anyway, we digress. It's just something that I caught out and I was like, there's no way. Because when you cut back, to her sitting out there on the street, there is a black van now in the carport and it's backed in. But anyway, hmm. Finney makes it out. He comes out. His sister sees him first. They run, they hug. The detectives are like, oh shit, what is this? Everybody in the house. And then they realize, you know, like, oh, he owns both of the houses. Ah, plot twist. <laughs> and then um, it's over. I mean, they're sitting in the back of the ambulance with like the little blankets or whatever the dad comes up he's just super happy that they're alive and i think this is supposed to be his arc where he's like i'm not gonna drink anymore he doesn't say that instantly sober whatever yeah but you know like they're gonna go back to the house and he's gonna start beating the shit out of them again like Mm -hmm. give him three days three days all right uh let's talk about our reviews now let's give them jackie you read first so you go ahead and give yours Okay, the short story, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Uh, There's definitely enough detail and feeling that it really leaves an impression. Like, I, I, honestly, I wanted the story to be longer based on what was there. You wanted the short story to be longer? Yeah. I wanted it to be at least a novella. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, The movie, however, um... Seven out of ten. I think the casting was definitely on point and the setting was creepy enough to really get the feeling across, but Yeah. I don't I don't think I would watch it again because you know <laughs> No, Jackie? I'm a mother. Figure we could go downstairs and turn it no, on. No. Fine. Just like Barbarian. I'm good with once. Just once. I think I've watched that three times now. Good I probably time. don't need to watch it again, but if I need to drag somebody and chain them to the couch to watch it, I will. It's not going to be me. Anyway. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to start with the movie first. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I enjoy horror, but I also have high standards. I don't, I'm not a big fan of like the super cheesy slasher type horror. I think it's just overplayed, but I respect it. I definitely love like the conjuring, those sinister where you're getting, um, it, it's unnerving. Like, it's unnerving more than shocking. The, the new production of Stephen King's It, both chapters, I think, did a really good job of this. So I did. When it comes to Barbarian, though, I will tell you this. Barbarian is, like, on that other end of the spectrum for me where it knows it's not trying to be serious, but it's also not trying to, like, disrespect the genre either. But it has that really good where it's, like, 85% just fucking ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. But then about 15%, you know, like, 
story. Like Justin <laughs> Long measuring the hallway of the yeah, yeah, passage. Yeah. Story and artistry. But then you're just like, you get into this complacency where you're like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden it's like, bam, you're like, what the fuck? Like that to me is good because the humor, it sets you at ease to set you up for the shock or the horror or the unnerving part. So that I like. Um, this, I think, just really, really beautiful the way it was filmed. I think the acting was spot on amazing. Oh, my God. That little girl. Mm. The fact yeah. that they postponed filming when they had a, an actor like Ethan Hawke on the billet. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. We got to wait. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and then, you know, relatively speaking, it had a very minimal budget. And they filmed it in a month. Like, that's crazy for what they did with this. So I'm like, you know what? Applause, applause all around, applause all around. Short story now. I'm giving it a four out of five because I think I would maybe read this again because it's so short. It's 20 something pages, it's nothing. But it's a short story. And I think it does what it's supposed to do. And I, and I believe that I think a lot of people out there don't have a lot of experience with short stories. But again, not trying to be like, oh my God, my degree, my education, but you know, I've spent a lot of time with short stories. I've spent a lot of time writing short stories and dissecting them. And this one does what it's supposed to do. And I have this, I've written this out. This is my analogy for short stories. It's, it dumps you into the middle of a mess or an issue or an event. And then it drags you through it at a pace where like you can only make out key features, but aren't you know going to remember somebody's eye color. And then you come to a rolling stop and they just push you out of the car. Maybe it's in front of your house. Maybe it's in another state. You don't know. But then it's like, bye, fucker, and peace out. And they just like, skid marks, <laughs> screeching out. Like, that's what a short story is supposed to do. And that's what I'm going to say. I think short stories are probably the best source material for adaptations because you have the bone. You have the structure. Um, and maybe you have a little bit of, like, the muscle and the tendons. But everything after that is open for you know to expand upon to have some creative liberties but nobody's going to like grief you for making these minimal changes because the story is so bare to begin with but you know what it's supposed to be so i give it a four out of five cool good job joe hill yeah. <laughs> all right we read we watched uh, so you don't have to dnf <sighs> jackie what do you say I definitely say watch and I know what I said before where I wouldn't watch it again, but I honestly do think I might watch it again. Um, I'm a huge fan of Ethan Hawke and I think he did really, really well in this, even though he had very minimal dialogue. But we also get to see him shirtless. So yeah. And he's like, uh, he's aged pretty well. Like obviously he's a little bit older now Very. um, and he's not like super ripped like he was back in the day. But yeah. he's got like that buff dad bod, and I'm for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but uh, mm. yeah, I, I'm saying watch. It's gonna take more of your time than reading the story, but I think you get a lot more from the movie than you do from the story. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I'm I'm with Jackie. I say watch it. It is respectful to the source material. Like it's the same. You're you're getting essentially the same thing, but instead of the short story just dragging you through at a neck break. Uh, neck breaking speed you know you get to instead take a guided tour with the movie you know it, it, it jackie's right you're going to spend more time watching it than you will reading because it's 20 pages and yeah. let's i'm going to caveat that it's going to take you more time to watch the movie than it took me 
to read the story because apparently it took Jackie like six hours. I was I got, waiting downstairs. It did not take six hours. It took I was waiting maybe on the couch maybe an it. hour. But I got distracted by things like TikTok and um, I think maybe some text messages from my husband. Uh, so there's that. I was trying to be just like, you know, whatever. She's doing stuff up there, like, you know, not be big. But at one point I was like, all right, Jackie, that's it. That's it. It's fucking 20 <laughs> I think, pages. I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think the text message was, Jackie, it's 20 pages. <laughs> Hurry the fuck up. Watch this movie. <laughs> I just have it like paused in the opening credits. I'm like, Jenny! It did not take six hours, by the way. Oh, God. I just want everybody ever. to know that. All right. Next week, we have, uh, we're continuing on with January where we're recapping some of the big 2022 movies that came out that are based on books. And we kind of have a surprising movie next week because it happens to be Bullet Train. Ooh. There's probably a lot of people that didn't even realize that this was a book. And it is. So we're going to do that next week. You know, the, the movie, uh, it's like in Tokyo and Brad Pitt's in it. And it's just, oh, it's so good. Oh, the eye candy. I don't, what's, whatever his name is that plays Tangerine, I'm just, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there yeah. for it. I love him. Yeah. Um, and there's some cameos. There are. Oh, my God. There's some, oh, they're, they're good ones, too. Okay. So let's do the coin flip. Uh, I'm going to, what would we say? Heads is read, tails is. Yep watch i'll call heads for me it is heads so i will read first jackie will watch first and we'll come together jackie's like Woohoo, finally so i'll get started on that it's a chunky book too yeah it's a something like 400 pages i was looking at it and it doesn't have like the crazy margins either so it's yeah. a full 400 pages <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> All right, guys, don't forget, like, follow, share, give us a review, come follow us on uh, social media, come hang out with us in the Discord. But until next week, bye. bye.